Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Oi, the boys on Footy Prime on occasion are known to use vulgarities and frankly appalling language. And sometimes tales are quite adult in nature. So keep the volume down if there are kiddies around. And thank you for listening. Welcome back to another episode of Hard Cuts. Let's see what some of our celebrity guests are wearing in their hair today. Brendan Dunlop. The cream that I use, it's, it's aloe, honey extract. You don't have to use a lot of it. It's, uh, it's more of a soft hold. I used to be a hard hold guy. Yeah, hard indeed. Let's ask former famous footy star Jimmy Brennan. I use a product called uh, Bedhead. Oh, a little, yes. little wax. Really good. I've been using it for years. Nothing wrong with a little bedhead. And finally, James Sharman, what are you using today? Have you seen There's Something About Mary? Have you seen that movie? Trust me, James, we've all been there. You guys never <laughs> asked me what I used. Ooh, Craig Forrest, what is it that you used? I think I used acid. I would definitely trip on that. Well, I appreciate that because I tell you what, the women are just falling all over me. <laughs> sure hope they're okay. Now back to Footy Brown the Podcast. Let's get this hair party started. Where'd it go? Ah, uh, yeah, that's amazing. You know, that's just well, one podcast ago, one podcast ago, and JC's made that magic. No, Dan Wong mentioned, though. Dan, Dan Wong, what, what's in your hair? Ah, uh, geez, it's more of that uh, grime mixed with dirt and mm. uh, depression. How about those? Oh, depression? <laughs> wow, at this point in our trajectory as a project, I thought you were going to say, uh, I thought you were going to say at least like hope. No. Okay, no, no hope. It's the hope that kills no. you. Yeah. yeah, I thought. I thought at least yesterday when we were at the event, he was going to make an effort with his hair, but he didn't. No, it was no. fully no. pumped up. It was a pompadour, almost pompadour. <laughs> I love the way you sprinkle a bit of depression in there, though. That's good for you, Wonga. And, and given what we heard from the various panels yesterday, I mean, you should have listened and heard, and maybe they'll help you with your depression. I, I think. Well, right. look, there were a couple of things on uh, mental health, which was great. What are we talking about again? Unmatched. Oh, unmatched, right? Yeah, yeah, great sports conference. <laughs> yeah, remember that one? Yeah. That was yesterday. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was, it was less than 24 hours ago. In fact, less than 12 hours ago. Yeah, mm. what a day, though, boys. We're, we're invited by Tennis Canada to... Uh, um, oh, door closing. Okay, that's fine. I interrupted someone. Um, yeah, so we're invited to unmatched courtesy of Tennis Canada. Great conference. Keynote speaker was Billie Jean King. And that was followed up by heading to the tennis. Well, we got to see Serena's last match in Canada, in Toronto. So we got to not only see Billie Jean King, we got to meet Billie Jean King. And then we got to see another icon in Serena Williams in the evening. That's what I call a good day for a sports fan. Hell yeah. of a Wednesday. 
It was great. What, a, what an event. I think you got to give credit to, to Eva Varis as well for putting the event on for us and gem management. They were awesome. You know, it was just a, a wicked day. And that was that was the first tennis match I ever went and saw live. And I thought it was I thought it was amazing. And to see Serena as well, their last game ever in Canadian soil was mm. something else. It was a great day, guys. Great. Yeah, day. and Eva, we've had on the show before as well. Yeah. And she yeah, absolutely top notch. What they put on. Absolutely. Brilliant. There weren't many there weren't many men there, but there was a table with, with five of us. And uh, it's actually quite funny because at the end, quite a few few of the the women came up to us and said, thanks, guys, for coming to the event. It's great to see people like you here, as in men. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we're, so, we're so progressive and such modern men. But uh, it yeah. was actually very educational and I think really important, great messages there. I'd love to give that. a shout-out, too, to Jessica Petula for even putting us in Tennis Canada and uh, Jimmy Brennan for helping us put that whole thing together, too. Yeah. I love when we walked in there. We we're like, all right, where are we sitting? Are we at the front in the middle? No, fellas, you're at the back over there by the bar. <laughs> yeah, or you're, you're, you'll be safer back there. Yeah, you guys just yeah. go play over there. <laughs> Far back corner where nobody can see you. But it's, it's great when, you, when there are certain people who can hold a room, can capture that room. And Billie Jean King is one of those those people right i don't know it's something very natural it's not something i mean she says herself how she used to hate to speak in public she was the last person who wanted to do a you know read an assignment out in class but now she just speaks and the whole place is quiet and listens it's billy jean king for christ's sakes you know an absolute icon one of the top 20 most influential americans of all time um, and there we are sitting listening to her and then meeting her afterwards and she talks to you, one of those people she talks to you as if she's known you for her whole life, so natural, and can talk about any sport. So we will endeavor and try to get her on our podcast. Now, she's busy. Who knows if that will work out, but she, she told us who her manager was. We spoke to him. Yeah. Knock on wood, boys. Tip. Tip. Yep. Yep. He's got, a, t- got like a tip for you. Five years. I've got a tip for you. When you're, when you're speaking to these celebrities, these very influential people who are realistic and down to earth, let Jimmy Brennan go first. Because we were all on that stage, and I, I got two words in. Charms, you might have got 10. Jimmy got the whole time. What were you talking about? Forrest coming back up? No, talking about getting her on the show. She was all for it. <laughs> so you're welcome. <laughs> no, she was actually good. We had a little banter together. Yes, you did. I know. Yeah. We had a good little, good little giggle. Yeah, she was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And just not just how with us, you know, we just, like you said, every single person that meets her, it's like she knows you and she looks you in the eye and she's listening to what you're saying. And yeah, she's really interested in people. Yes. Like she really is. And and she didn't have all the answers either. In the, in the question Q&A, there were some interesting questions being thrown out and she didn't have all the answers as well. Yeah. She And she was she would admit that. I, but I, her passion I, is unbelievable. I, I agree. And I love that, you know, because a lot of times people are up there and they get a question, and then they just bullshit and they ramble yes. on. We do it every, she, every, every show. Yeah, right. And we're good at it. <laughs> but I liked how she turned around and went, hey, you know what? I don't have the answer for that. And then she goes, but we've got a lot of educated, good people in this crowd. Does anybody have the answer for that? Yeah. yeah. So she yeah. brought everybody in. I was like, that's very clever. I like the way she does that. Yeah, I like that too. I think that's part of the appeal, right? It's very authentic. It's not yeah. uh, these influential people, as you say, they get up there and they talk and they wax poetically and they use these buzzwords. And eventually you feel like, oh, this is just kind of your shtick. Whereas with her, no, this is this is her passion. She's authentically her all the time. And to Craig's mention, she really cares about people. 
Yeah. That's what I found even authentic. What I found incredible is she speaks to 400 people the same way as she speaks to one person. You know, mm-hmm. that is such a skill and a talent mm-hmm. to be so inclusive of a crowd. And, you know, when we met her looking right into our eyes, she, I mean, she was fully the boss of that uh, conference. Yeah. A true leader, right? A true leader. Uh, has all these foundations and businesses. She, she's talking about meeting all these various CEOs and, and she looks them in the eyes and straight away, their first comments, you can almost figure them out. She goes, yep, I know this guy is going to invest or this guy is not going to invest. She can tell straight away after years of, yeah. of experience. I thought her video at the beginning was, was brilliant and you didn't realize just how inspirational she is and what a game changer she has been for the for sports and for women and just everybody bringing everybody and making everybody mm. inclusive it was powerful it really was well, I mean, powerful. And, you, yeah. and you think what she did you know for the women's game and we're you know we see serena williams that evening her last time in toronto and the opportunities that she's had but they also the oppor- what she's done to break down barriers herself serena williams so massive steps uh from two women what we saw yesterday that have done incredible things on and off the sporting court. Yeah, Serena was talking about how she wants to one day be like Billie Jean King. And Billie Jean said, you're doing it right now. Yeah. You've started that, that journey at, mm-hmm. at the moment. And I mean, we, we talked about in the last podcast, our top five greatest athletes, right? And how hard that is. But you talk about top five like greatest athletes, iconic athletes on and off the field of play. And she's right up there. She's up there with Ali. Um, who else would you put up there? I mean, someone who's so transformative and transcends the sport from a social standpoint. I, I don't know if there's anyone beyond Ali. I'm probably forgetting of someone really obvious right now. Mm. But I, I'm not sure who it is. Jackie Robinson. Yep. Sure. Game changer for sure. Broke down barriers. Absolutely. Yeah, and I would say the, Serena, the Williams sisters. For yep. like just across the board, yeah, Arthur uh, Ashe, yeah, Arthur, Arthur Ashe is another Ash. great one, yeah, absolutely. I think I'd put LeBron in that category. I think he understands, you know, his role. He has a, a bigger role off the court and socially, and with the school, and you know, the, there's maybe some missteps along the way. It's like kind of learning that process, but I think he understands. Uh, and you know, the example of Billie Jean King and Serena Williams before that. That's that's the expectation for someone with such a, a big platform there, and uh, and you know, he's got a, a heart in addition to world class, God given skills. You know, it's funny, you mentioned about Arthur Ashe and, uh, you know, Jackie Robinson, who, who broke, say, bro, this is still not completely broken down, but broke down the, the racial divide in, in sports. And Billie Jean King, in many ways, broke down homophobic barriers on the women's side of tennis, right, of sport. There's still a big freaking wall built with, with the men's side in professional sport. Who, who Who's going to be the, the Billie Jean King of men's sport? He hasn't shown his face just yet has he no i guess not i mean one thing interesting about billy jean king and like muhammad ali was that they were so outspoken about social issues and they they were willing to sacrifice their careers over it you don't get that these days you really don't even with lebron um and i mean that more so from that that the situation last year 
two years ago, whatever, with the with Hong Kong and then some of the support from the NBA and certain individuals in the NBA, uh, LeBron backtracked on that um, in the end. And and I don't blame him for doing that. I'm just saying that he did. And I don't think Muhammad Ali would have. I think he would have stood up um, against all that and kept doing it no matter what because it was the right thing to do. Yeah, times have certainly changed. And but she's still even, going even bands, right? Even rock bands, music, you know, I think back in, you know, the Vietnam days and before that, they were writing songs and music about that and against the wars and against certain things. And now the backlash is too big that you just see the see a lot of them they just stay away from it for their profession. I, I don't know. Craig I mean Drake Drake talks about backing up promiscuity and how that's important in, in nowadays society. Okay. <laughs> I'm taking the piss out of Drake here. I know. Lyrics, right? <laughs> but you're right. Who is that? Who is that I, band out Charms, there? You, making... you haven't given me a hotline bling lately. You haven't given me a booty call. <laughs> What's going on? I thought Sorry. we were close. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that athlete no longer exists, though. Maybe that's it, you know, because like you said there, Craig, the game, the sport, and sphere has changed so much. But I, Someone, you know, your biggest going... name in sports is LeBron, and if he can't do it, you're going to uh, you're talking about breaking down the barriers for homophobia. Wouldn't it have to be? I mean, a couple guys have come out basketball, football players. There's that one guy for the Raiders who came out a couple years ago. Um, doesn't it have to be like a top 10 player or a top 20 player to really make it significant? I just say that not not that it's not significant personally and for the the person who and his team, you know, like his his friends and family, which mm-hmm. is all amazing. But to be transformative, and this is where Craig with Billie Jean King, they were willing to sacrifice everything. Uh, Muhammad Ali gave years of his life up, you know, was banished from boxing. Um, and that's what made, you know, the the fighting foreman so amazing that he came back from all of that. But wouldn't it have to be a top 20 player just says, I'm gay. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit. Who cares? Come and play with my team. Uh, I'll make you better. We, we want to get to a place where it doesn't matter who's gay. We don't even care about it anymore. Like that's mm. where you want to be, right? Like, I yeah. I don't know. Doesn't it have to be that? Yes, I, I agree, Dan. Because I, even Billie Jean King said, you know, I need to get to number one. I need to be the best in the world to actually have a voice and you know, mm. to to have that impact. And that's absolutely true. If she was a top twenty player, never won anything, the impact of Billie Jean King would be significantly different. Mm. And let's not, you know, just you know, mentioned her with the battle against homophobia. I mean, she was she broke down gender barriers overall, yeah. right? Women's tennis was nothing when she was breaking through. The men's is up here, women's down here. She, she forced that conversation. They weren't even professionals. It. They were on fourteen dollars yeah. a day as amateurs. Yeah, was it the, the nine? Right, the group of nine. That yeah, video nine. we saw yesterday. But how crazy is it? How crazy is it that they wanted to unionize, and then the the powers that be forced them said screw you and then they ended up letting someone else unionize so it was like they went up and set up set up their own tour the the powers that be after the women already did this group of nine it was like what a great story yeah and it feeds into what we're discussing now in women's soccer in canada gender equity Mm -hmm. right pay equity 
and that's been finally we i mean it's gone very quiet right but we understand that's been agreed upon same money but even billy jean kim mentioned it's an easy thing to say yeah pay equity gender equity but you also have to look at the business standpoint as well where's the money coming from right men's sport makes more than women's sport so it's still a conversation to be had there um so many issues right b the CEO of Tennis Canada said that as well, that it's, yes, it's, uh, you know, getting to that point, but it's also about sustainably being at that point as far as the business goes, right? Which I thought was important. And we talk about, you know, uh, pay equity on the women's side, of course. And when we talked about the prize numbers, it surprised me that the Women's World Cup generates $65 million in prize money because I think of the Women's World Cup as still being, you know, rather new. Obviously, 99 was kind of... The, the big coming out for, for women's soccer globally, right? And um, you look at $450 million for the men. In a lot of ways, it feels like that gap would be even bigger. You know, I think it's, I think at 60, 65 is a point, they're kind of a, a lot closer. And football is fortunate to kind of be farther, farther ahead, right? But as, you know, Billie Jean King mentioned, like women's tennis has kind of been the driver in that for, for women's for women's sports really and set them and set the model and the real benefit that's one of the things that came up in this conference too is for a women's hockey league in canada for a women's soccer league in canada they have the benefit and such a huge advantage now to have learned from all of these mistakes of the past to start in such a much better place and that's what's really exciting for me the idea of a women's canadian professional league here that'll have some very successful and uh, powerful Canadian women involved at the at the top from the beginning. Um, I think this the sky's the limit. It, it's uh, you know there's a reason it, it it should have happened 20 years ago, 30 years ago, but happening now, I think it it, it really um, you know can take advantage of being in this in this place right now. Women's sports in its infancy, right? As was mentioned yesterday as well. Uh, the NHL is 100 years old. MLB is 150 years old, right? Um, professional women's sports is very new. And it's a different landscape, like you kind of mentioned there, but it's a different landscape now than it was 100 years ago, obviously. There's more opportunities from marketing, yeah. from sponsorship, um, but it's still very, very new. And let's, they're, they're getting there slowly, but to hit, think that you can just hit a button and suddenly be equal, it's not that simple, unfortunately. When you asked a little while ago, who would be the, the male version in today's game of, of Billie Jean King? Like, you know, who could the next one be? I think society is in a much different place, you know, when it comes to acceptance and when it comes to homosexuality, right? So I, I think it, it, it would be very different. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's certainly not an apples to apples uh, situation, but there is, there is something needed on, uh, on that side, obviously, in, in male team sports um, to, to change. Um, you know, some of the, the really bad things in the culture, obviously, and, uh, and and take sport and society forward. But it'd be different. Well, Jimmy, you, Jimmy, you've, you've been most recently involved in professional sports, right? In, in that locker room. How, how safe a space do you think it is now compared to perhaps when you started? Oh, yeah, a lot. It's a lot better now. I think there's a lot more awareness and understanding now. Um, whereas, you know, if I look when I first went into a professional dress room in 94, uh, uh, you wouldn't even think about, you know, if you if you were gay or or anything else and, and coming out. And there's a lot of times you didn't even you wouldn't even speak about your emotions or how you felt as an individual because you know you would have got ridiculed. Um, but now I think there's a lot more acceptance. Uh, you know, with mental health, mental health, there's awareness now. Um, 
you know, if, if you were gay, you could speak to people. And I don't think many people would blink an eye now because it's, it's more accepted. Um, you know, I look at even back when I, when I was playing, maybe 2007, we had 2008, we had Robbie Rogers, who was at LA Galaxy and Columbus Crew. He actually came out and said he was gay. David Tesso at Montreal Impact, um, he was coming out. Um, and I think as time grew on, you know, people just accepted it and started to really understand where we are now as a society. And um, regardless of your preference, it, it doesn't change you as an individual. When you're taking your training and coaching, Jimmy, do they t- speak about these different things and issues of, you know, players and mental health? Is that something? Yeah, that no, brought they, up now? yeah, they do. Absolutely. They do. Um, you know, it's, it's a big part of the course is to really understand the individual, mm. you know, when, when people think about coaching, it's all about tactics, uh, you know, on the technical side, it's not, it's not the, the game of, f- of football and in sport in general is about, uh, dealing with individuals, motion, uh, emotions, um, and trying to figure out the psyche of the individual, how to get the best out of that individual. Because you know we can play, you know tactically, but how do I get the best out of you? You know, do I got to put an arm around you and, and talk to you? And, you know, how's the family? You know, how's your how's the parents? How's your brother, your sister? You know, how's the friends? You know, your social life, everything's okay. But, but, and I spent a lot of times, you know, with, with our players. And I used to do it all the time where, you know, the warm-up would go on and I would just – I'd pick an individual and call them out and say, get over here. Come on. We're going for a little walk. And I just go for a little walk with a player and just talk to them. You know, how you feeling? You looked, you looked a bit down over the last couple of days. Everything okay? Because you really got to understand stand the player and, and help them, you know, to, to achieve their goals and, and perform on the pitch. And sometimes players need that and individuals. And we all do that. We all need somebody to talk to sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the psyche is, uh, is very important in, in for, uh, football and sport. And as managers, you have to understand your players. Yeah, and you got a group of people, a large group of people, really, that you know that there's got to be one or two of them that isn't maybe having a great day. And, yeah. you know, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes with their family, relationships, all these yeah. different things come into play. And when you put them out on the pitch for a game, it's probably the easiest part for a manager, really. Yeah. Although the 11 people you put out on that field uh, your your kind of livelihood is depending on them at that time yeah. <laughs> you know that's true you know because because you're with the players every single day as well you really get to understand who they are right you, you see their their habits and right the minute you see a player is a little bit off that's when you you pull them to the side say come on let's have a chat something's not right i'm here for you what, what do you need you know do you need a couple of days off take a couple of days off go see the family go Mm. Go go take care of yourself. If you need anything, you let us know. But you're off two days. See you later. I don't want to see you. Make sure you you go look after what you need to look after. And I suppose some players will you know be more comfortable talking about that sort of thing too than other people, right? Yeah, but you have to be, and it, it's it's got to be genuine. It can't be bullshit. Yeah, you know, you 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 as an individual, you got to be a Billy Jean King. You got to be yeah. a Billy. And my two two takeaways from listening to Jimmy here now is that the evolution of coaching this is the, the very it's very clear that um you have to be a, a people person and you're you're really managing people as much as you're managing players and jimmy maybe that managing the players is the second part of it under understanding and working with the people that's you know it's so much more than just tactics obviously um, but also to the acceptance that you can have a, a room or build an environment where when you recognize that player needs that time to go away um everyone 
is on board with that to understand that it's okay. We're all we're all people. Everyone has you know mental ups and downs, and oh, this this player's away today, and and not carry a a resentment or a stigma. Oh, this player's weak. He couldn't do training this week because whatever. It must be a different challenge as well, Jimmy. Though even at that level, right? Because you got players that are you know playing for really the love of it, uh, potentially a second chance, potentially a, a late developing situation where they could get a big move or something like that. But it's also different because they're, you know, they're probably wondering what they're doing, you know, how long do we keep this dream alive playing, uh, you know, all these different things. Yeah. No, there's, there's so much that comes into it, Craig. It's, um, you know, you, you really, like I said, you, you, you have to be there for, for people. You know, and as a coach, you 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 want to be a a mentor as well, um, and you want to provide every resource for them to be successful. Um, and whether that is, hey, listen, you know, we've we've got a psychologist, go talk to the psychologist. You need a day off, go to, go take a day off. What whatever you need, we're 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 there for you. And it's it's building that environment where people are comfortable and they're they're open to come sit down and say, okay, I, you know, I need to talk to you, because you have to have that trust. So if the player trusts me and he can rely on me, then I can rely on him as well. And I know together we're going to step onto that pitch when the time's right and we're going to go to war together. Yeah. Right? So you have to have that trust. And you can't just ignore players' uh, feelings and emotions and expect to get the best out of them. It's not the way a game works. Back in, back in our day, Craig, when we played, it was like that. You know, if I came in and, and, you know, my head was down or, you know, I might have had an issue with a family member or, you know, my dad's sick or something like that. It was, no, let's go. Come on. Got to train. Yeah. What the fuck's deal. wrong with you? Yeah. What the fuck's wrong with you? Go. We'll deal with this after. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. You know, fo- football second. Life is first. And that's why some of these old heads that seem like, man, you know, they'd be, you want to see them on the touchline and not on the TV, like Roy Keane. That's why they'll never get back in there. Because you hear him speaking, he'll speak about it on TV. He's not going to open up a soft side. He's not going <laughs> to understand the Gen Z young type of player. He doesn't no, care. They're, they're not. And, and the problem is, and the, the biggest issue is, uh, you know, when, when money's involved and people say, yeah. okay, well, you're making 100,000 pounds a week. Get out there and play. They're still a fucking individual. Oh, <laughs> they still make have a emotions. Right? They still have a life. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're making $1 or $100,000 a week. You know, how hard is it, Jimmy? Own- Everybody's got their own demons. In team sport, it's one thing with individual sports. You know, you're working with a coach one-on-one. They can tell where you're at. I imagine, I mean, this is a case, um, in a team sport, someone that's struggling can hide, right? They can hide in the group. And that's got to be a real challenge as a coach to kind of see through the group and, and, and know your players so well that you know that that guy that's kind of hiding back, you know, and hiding in the field a little bit and in the room very quiet, that he, he's struggling right now. Yeah. Of course, you can you can you can spot it, you know. But that's that's a coach really understanding his players, right, and getting to know them. And new players that come in, sitting down with talking with them, having lunch with them, really understand who they are. And then you've got to figure figure out how do I get the best out of you now. So when when I see the players and they come in and they're they're buzzing and they're happy and okay, all right, good, yeah, everybody seems to be all right, had a good sleep, blah blah. But the minute you see a player who's a little bit off, you've got to try to nip it in the butt right away and help them. Right away. Because, you know, if you, if you don't, that when you first see it, then it increases the next day. And then it increases the next day. And then by then, four or five days later, that, that player could be in a spiral. 
So you've got to you got to be calculated every single day. Just always keeping an eye on the players, and that's why you know when we when we did training sessions, you know me me as a head coach, I would let you know Paul Salteri, he would run the session, Camila Benzi, they would run, and I would just I'd walk around, walk around the session. You know, I jump in at certain times, but I was constantly just watching the players and watching their body language, right? Because I could see, hey, he's a bit off today. So and so is not right. Something's up with Joe today. And then I would pull them after training and say, come here, come on, we're going to go for a little walk. And I, that, that was my thing. I would just take them, you know, and we go side by side because a lot of the times too, when you face on, it's hard for an individual to open up, you know, their head drops. They don't want to make eye contact. And, and my, my thing that I really got out of it was when I'd walk side by side, you know, we we're both looking forward and, you know, they, they could open up and have these genuine conversations and, you know, invite you into their world. And, and I was there to support and help. Jimmy, uh, oh, sorry. I was sorry. Sorry, Charms. You can ask me. I was just thinking there's two things. One was it's such a great insight, Jimmy, about looking forward. I have some of the best conversations with my daughters when we're in the car because there's no look. We can't. I have to look forward. They have to look forward. Mm -hmm. And I get insight and they share things because you're not under the spotlight. It's not like you're being investigated. And yeah. it, that's such a great insight. And the other thing I was just going to ask was, you know, Craig was asking about managing downwards. Do these, and this is maybe a new, a new coaching thing. Do they ever talk about how to manage upwards, how to, how to manage your bosses, how to manage expectations? Like, cause that would be, if they don't talk about it, would, I would sit there going, maybe that's, one of those things that yeah, you add no, to that we, coaching. We, we have, uh, you know, going, going back to two things there, uh, what, what you said, Wong, you know, for, for instance, if I'm sitting down and I'm having uh, a detailed conversation, um, you know, in depth or whatever, business, or I, I'm looking right in your eyes as I'm talking, right? And sometimes that can be intimidating. But with players and you've got to understand the individual that you're talking to, and sometimes you can't do that. Because then they, they feel like they're, they're under pressure and it's, it's like, Jesus, this is intimidating. And it can't be intimidating when, you, when you're talking with your players. It can't be at all. Well, there's nothing more intimidating than when we were over in England at that time, eh, Jimmy? I mean, the, yeah. manage, the managers were fucking tough. Like, they didn't Hard. care about emotions. Okay? They would uh, remember slaughtering you before you go on out. Yeah, no, they would absolutely If you let me down today, you'll never play for me again. No, one hundred percent. That's where it was. <laughs> like what the and, fuck? And then on the flip side, Wonger, to your question, the uh, yeah, we we learned uh, we we had board members that would come in um, and chairman of football clubs that would come in and talk with us. And part of the uh, our our whole progress of of finishing your UEFA license was how to deal with a board, uh, how to interact with them, um, how to engage with them. And it's difficult too sometimes because some board members are just, you know, they're, they're selfish. They're on their own. They don't give a shit. They got all the answers. They don't want to know what your preparation is or what you're doing. And it's about results, but they don't see the big picture. And it's really trying to understand, you know, how to how to deal deal with a board, move with a board, and and more or less, in a, in a funny way, keeping your enemies close. So if there's a board member you don't trust, how close can I get to this board member? <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, than, I, I, yeah that's why. Away, so. That's why me and Craig are friends. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and and, and, as, a, and a, as a coach, the most important thing is to make sure that the chairman likes you, because if he likes you, you might get an extra few weeks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you can bullshit him as well. Exactly. You might be able to drop how... five in a row instead of just four. Yeah. I wonder how, how military leadership's changed in, in this era, because you talk about the old school coaching you guys went through. That came from military methods, right? Especially in yeah. UK. Um, the way you taught to the troops or the players w- was actually quite similar. As society has evolved and coaching sports coaching has evolved, it'd be really interesting to see if, if military leadership has changed too. Do they speak to soldiers differently than they did in 1945? Do they have to? I, I don't know, but I, you know, it's, 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 a good, it's a good question because I think your mentality is completely different, right? If you're going to war, yeah, you're going, I'm going to kill. But you right? tell some and, coaches, Jim, you know this, some, yeah. some yeah. coaches look at, yeah. look at it as war. Right. It's ridiculous. Which, which is, yeah, which, which is true. And that's, that was kind of the mindset back then. That's why I remember we, we went to military bases and army camps for preseason. Oh, yeah. and they're yelling and <laughs> screaming and we're going to war. And I'm going, we're not going to war. It's a fucking football match. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's be friggin' fair here. Let's, let's be let's be honest here, because if it was war, I'd be in the front line and I'd be like, "Let's go, guys!" I'd shoot myself in the leg. I'd be calling medic, medic, medic. I'm out, guys. Go! I'll tell everybody how brave you were. <laughs> but on a on a Saturday, you know, football wise, I'd run through a brick wall for my manager, right? Yeah. But I know that I'm not getting shot. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, I'm going to survive that game and I'm coming out of it right. and I'm going home. That's why I'm if I'm in the team. trenches with Jimmy, it's a bad yeah, thing. No kidding. <laughs> Go on boys. I got you. It would be great to get, it would be great to get a high ranking military officer on this podcast to ask just that leadership in 2022. How, how has that evolved? Cause that mm-hmm. fascinates me. There you go, just, if, if it Good. comes down to war, are we all just completely screwed because we have too many snowflakes? <laughs> yeah. is this what it's come to right that, that, that's, I don't know. That's, i'm yeah. pretty curious uh that's also not a term anyone would use anymore uh but yes um i think that's a great guest idea for interview we should we should totally do that find a high-ranking yep. military officer to tell us what the training hey, is we like. should we should go to a military base like you said you have that preseason training i would love that i don't I would, want I'd, to I'd see probably hate it, it but you... i would love it you wouldn't love that at all. No, it was no. My brother, my brother Norm, uh, he's a lawyer for Justice in Ottawa now, but he did two years in the military, following in the steps of my dad, who was going to be a navigator, and they had to do the um, where they put you in a room and drop a canister of tear gas, and they make you walk around breathing this, and guys are just panicking. And I, I said, "How did you handle it?" He goes, "My brother was a lifeguard, so he just breathed really shallowly." And yes, he coughed and all that, but he said it was miserable seeing his friends drop, cough, get dragged out. And uh, I, I don't think we do very well. I, although Craig might with his vape, he might be able to inhale yeah, exactly. all, You'd be all fine. of the tear gas. Be, hey, Craig, it's time to leave now. I'm good. I'm, I'm sitting in the corner. <laughs> Quite enjoying it. Craig, come on. <laughs> Give me another canister of tear gas. <laughs> but you know what? You're joking aside, but thank Christ there are people that do it. Yeah. yeah. Thank Christ. Yeah. I don't know, boys. If this is 19, uh, you know, 35, 36, 37, you know, I, I think we'd answer the call. I would. I'm pretty sure. Well, the way the government and all the propaganda that they threw out then, and it made well, it look as though you could go with your buddies and sit on the back of a tank and see travel the world, the world yeah, and all that. Yeah, like, smoke oh. a pack of Marlboros. Yeah, right. <laughs> Have you seen the women in France? Get on the boat, boys. Yeah. yeah. 
What yeah. All waving and smiling as they leave. Everybody's the shooting like, at me. Jesus. What the fuck is going on here? That'd be like uh, Tropic Thunder. Don't worry, guys. It's a movie scene. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Wonger made a really generation. good Wonger made a really good point, and we can go back to that because I hadn't thought about that. You know, this talk about mental health in the pandemic, and uh, everyone, no matter your situation, has has gone through some you know highs and low period in these, these last two years. But I never actually considered that speaking to someone face to face, which is what we've done considerably more so over the last two years over FaceTime, that you forget what it's like to speak to people next to them. And if you don't have that relationship, let's say where you're seeing someone regularly, then maybe a very close personal relationship has deteriorated over this pandemic period, simply because you are always face to face. And so if you are talking about real shit, it's very hard to then have that the softness that you may have had when you were together before or walking through the park or walking to the venue or walking at the ball game or whatever. I never actually considered that point, Wanger. So mm. uh, maybe maybe I'll start positioning myself differently when I'm walking. With well, you. no, it was it was one of my friends was one of my friends husbands was doing a documentary and it was mm. all about cars and the car culture. And I, I said, you know, you should really, um, you know, he was discussing ideas. And I said, one of the ideas that I really came, and this is post-divorce, was realizing I had such a great um, opportunity to communicate with my kids in a non-judgmental, and it was more for me yeah. at, at the time, but I realized what a benefit it was for them because it allowed them to share things without me staring down at them with it. Cause you're a larger person, you know, there's all these things that come with being a dad that they don't teach you in a, a book and you don't know what's going to happen. And having that Avenue to be able to uh, navigate those conversations, non-judgmentally, then being able to go, Hey, if you want some solutions, I have some too, you know? So it's getting it out, which was really important with my kids. And now we have a, I, I think we have a great, not now, I thought we always had a good relationship, but I have to say the drives, I look forward. I just drove 16 hours to, to New Brunswick with my kids yeah. and we talk about everything. They uh, also sleep. Like see, the, the only problem monsters. for me though, with the, with the car, and I find it sometimes when I'm sitting with my oldest Phoenix and sometimes when we're talking, he says something and I'm like, what the, f what did you just say? <laughs> I'm like, that's the dumbest. And I'm, I find myself looking at him and, then I, and I feel, I feel the car moving and he's like, dad, dad, the road. I'm like, well, what the fuck? What'd you just say? <laughs> so for me, well, you're talking about boys well, and girls. That's a totally <laughs> different. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that's coaching up, lessons. Because uh, I'm Jimmy. looking at him going, what are you talking about, son? <laughs> Do you think those coaching badges made you a better father, Jimmy? Oh, good one. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> he has no answer. Clearly not. Yeah. I, mean, not. <laughs> I don't know. I hey, boys, I'll have to ask my kids. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you, fellas. Um, BB can't jump in here so much. but Maybe you can. But So this week, we're sending my, my daughter off to camp, like a week-long camp for the first time, right? And she she's nervous, but she's excited about it, right? She's only child, thrown in there, knows no one there, boom, for a week. I'm concerned about the missus more than I am her. Um, but I'm also extremely nervous too. Have you done that with your kids? Do you ever toss them off to camp for a week? Yeah, most of them uh, that I know, they, they would throw them off to camp for two months and get on a plane <laughs> and go to Europe. I've yeah. got some friends who've done that actually. I know. It wasn't That's two months, four, but it's four a long time. You're going, you're going up to Muskoka <laughs> for two months, kids. See you later. Yeah. It's like, well, why do you bother even having 
kid. It's like, well, I know that's summertime is a great yeah. time. And you Ooh, know, that. you're going to get, you're going to get yelled at now, Craig. There's people no, my, my, my kids go to camp, but what we, we try to do is we try to set it up where they've got a couple of their friends that end up going at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that way, that was a thought, but we, this is like, she's been thrown in with the wolves all by herself. How about Samsonite B? Have you, have you thought about sending Samsonite to camp and would you, or are you too good a parent? Samson doesn't get on well with other dogs, sadly. So no, it's, uh, it's, it's a very difficult thing. But yes, uh, shout out to Amy who watched the dog yesterday all day so that I could spend the whole day with you guys and then watch Serena Williams last night. I, I do have to have a, a close circle of dog sitter friends. It's funny, you know, this podcast, I don't think any of us thought it would go this way today. It's been a really great conversation. I feel almost guilty now asking about the MLS All-Star game. It seems so so pointless now. Yeah, I didn't watch it. It might surprise you to hear I, I didn't watch it. B, I know you you would have raced home, or maybe you're recording it on the VCR. I'm not sure. Did you enjoy it? And what happened? I, I don't care what happened. Did you watch it? I, I tell you, I, I so I watched an extended pack. Yes, I watched. Uh, I, I, mean, I saw that one too. B. Yeah, I, I watched. watched uh, no, I watched. That's the one I sent you guys because it was shorter, and I thought you'd watch it. I watched a thirty. I minute still have no interest to watch it. No, even if it was uh, two minutes, not enough time. Oh, I, I watched the twelve-minute one or eight-minute one. Listen, I love it. I love it. Putting Major League Soccer's best against League MX's best, even though it's the showcase. You could tell all the players were really up for it, which I think is kind of unique to MLS in comparison to other sports anyway, because when they're going up against Chelsea or Manchester United or West Ham or Celtic or any of those teams, I always felt like the MLS players really were digging in. And you could see from the opposition where maybe they didn't think it was going to be that intense and Chelsea come out losers. I think Chelsea lost twice. In the, in that that second time uh, would have been maybe 2012, I think. Dero was a was a captain. It was Beckham's last one. Like you could see, Chelsea were were actually pissed. That it did not feel like a like a friendly at all. Yeah. I think that's the real unique thing. Yeah. This actually, there was a bit more camaraderie to this, which made it a little less intense. But I think just made it interesting to see how they stack up against each other. Yeah. Do you know when you when you look at the All Star game as well, and the MLS players. Um, and I remember even when I was in the All-Star game, it was, we got to win this game because collectively we're all trying to build this league and we're all trying to make a name for ourselves in this league. So even though, yeah, you're playing a friendly, it was games that you didn't want to lose. You did not want to be the team that lost. And now when it's at the point where you got the MLS All-Stars against the, the Liga Max All-Stars, that game was so competitive. And because... You know, I watched the extended highlights as well. You could see it was intense because the MLS now and and the reporters and everybody was saying, hey, we're, we're, we're almost on par now with Liga Max simply because of the facts. Seattle ended up winning CONCACAF. Now you got the MLS All-Stars beating Liga MX All-Stars and they're starting to say, oh, now we're close. Now we're really, really close and, and now we can compete with Liga MX. Now, when you look at the, the MLS All-Stars, you actually had stars from Liga MX that were on the MLS All-Stars because now their top players are starting to come into this league and it's yeah. continued to grow. And mm-hmm. I watched the, the All-Star, uh, the skills competition, and it was actually quite cool. Yeah. I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, I like it. And that. it was competitive. It was competitive. Both sides, you know, wanted to win. How did Insignia do? No, he pulled out. He, wasn't yeah, he, didn't, he didn't participate in the skills contest. Uh, who won, who won the juggling back. competition? I mean, it, it does sound ridiculous, isn't it, that he's – been in MLS for five minutes and he's he probably thought that himself thought why yeah. am I going to this yeah this I agree. Is stupid. 
yeah. the keepy uppy contest is still going. <laughs> is it? Yeah, still going. Okay. <laughs> yes. We hope to have a win- they hope to have a winner by Friday morning at ten. Yeah, apparently he's at five hundred thousand and twenty-eight. <laughs> Jesus. Hey Jimmy, when you were there, uh, was, was it a good party off the field? Because you all hear that about NHL and oh yeah, uh, no, it was Bowl. great. It, it was, was great. Good, yeah. Build up after the game, everything was was awesome. Lots going on. That I will say that you're, you're right. The MLS v League MX. I mean, it does. It is of all the All Star games has a little more riding on it. You know that pride thing. I, I'll give them that much. But uh, as far as the skill contest, I have to Come watch on, it. Miller. I give my judgment, but I don't really hold. No, you gotta watch it. It was actually, shit. it was actually pretty yeah. cool. Canadian yeah, defender right. Kamal Miller had a, a pretty good game. He was uh, even getting forward. Taylor Twelman had a had a great line of Kamal Miller broke from the halfway line and had this chance, and uh, he just put it wide. and He turns around laughing. And Taylor Twelman goes like, "Oh, he's uh, he's got a nosebleed. He's never been so high up before." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm assuming Bale wasn't there, right? Or Kalini? I'm assuming they weren't there. Tell me they weren't there. They weren't uh, in the squad. No. Okay. Just no. It was players that had earned it. There was. Uh, Quite right. quite a few guys have been lighting it up. In MLS. I know. Okay. Fair enough. Sounds amazing. I know you don't know. That's why you got me. That's why we do a Sunday show. Exactly. Uh, before we, we leave you, there's lots of craziness right now around Barcelona. Both Kessie and Christensen could potentially be free agents this weekend if they can't get registered in, in time. There's lots of talk about Frankie De Jong now going to Chelsea, along with Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. But it could be a pretty exciting weekend in the transfer market, huh? Oh, I think it will be. I got to be honest, though, seeing Todd Bowley and Chelsea get close to, it seems like, Aubameyang, I, I'd really, I'd much rather see Ronaldo go to Chelsea. They need a forward. I get it. But if they can do this double swoop, you know, that's it, right? It's it's Barcelona playing to who can help them. And this is why they got Coutinho, uh, Aston Villa, excuse me, got Coutinho for as little as they did because they could pay in cash because Barcelona were so bloody desperate just to get the, the cash investment. They took, I think, 15 or 20 million less than they'd agreed upon last year when they did the loan deal to take in permanently. So obviously Todd Bowley's got some money. If he can go and get those two, it improves Chelsea. But just what a joke of a situation that Barcelona was in. You're signing all these players hand over fist. And there's another one, Bernardo Silva, that I heard months ago, actually. I don't think I ever said this on the show. A friend of mine said, Bernardo Silva's leaving. And I said, you don't work in football. Like, how do you know? He's like, my brother-in-law runs a moving company and he just moved out Bernardo Silva's house. He's going to Barcelona. And I was like, okay. Uh, I'm like, I'm going to sit on this for a minute. (laughs) And then it never happened, right? But now, supposedly, this is also the urgency before Saturday because they're there's been a deal in place with with Manchester City reportedly for Bernardo Silva. So how the hell they're still bringing in new guys when they can't register these guys is just yeah. But imagine imagine being like Kessie, right? You're legend at AC Milan, win Serie A, Barcelona come. You're like, oh my god, I'm going to Barcelona. And then you get there, you get settled, get into your flat. Oh, by the way, you're getting traded, <sighs> and you haven't even played a game. Or Christian's yeah. the same. Yeah. Like they're going there. Because that's that's probably their dreams is to play for Barcelona, or Real Madrid, and, then and, and now most clubs, most clubs now spend their money have, have made their signings, so there's less options now for you. I mean, listen, Kessie, he, he'll he'll land on his feet. I'm sure he's a great player. Of but you know, most clubs by this point have got their rosters pretty much set. You know, and now these guys are like, oh shit, well, I'm available again now. Brutal. I wonder if, honestly, I wonder if there will be more, if that's the situation. But to Jimmy's point about this living your dream, that's all that Barcelona has been backing, um, banking on the last 
few years, right? Obama Yang, Memphis Depay, Adama Traore, all these guys like, hey, hey, it's it's Barcelona. Don't you want to play here for a little bit? And they force these guys to take these ridiculous pay cuts with these promises of, you know, down the road, look, we're, we're getting our things in order. But it's just in and out. Same for Lewandowski. It's so strange that Barca's become that club, that that brand that just like, don't you want to say that you played here for a minute? Yeah, I know. Yeah, they, but they are a brand, that's for sure. Um, any, any crazy financial predicaments you guys found yourselves in or at your various clubs, Craig, Jimmy? Mm. Or were they all pretty stable? No, at the time they were pretty stable. Um, it was probably, I mean, with Ipswich, it was after I left, I was at West Ham and they, they were in the Premier League and they had a really good season finish, I believe, fifth and they tied all these players down to long-term contracts, thought, well, we're going to stay in the Premier League at least. And they got relegated the next year. So they went into administration, came out of that, I think, in 2004, and really have struggled ever since. So that's the sort of thing that can happen to football clubs with relegation and poor management. So that, that was really disappointing. And it's disappointing to see my old club in the third tier now. It's, it really is, but... Other than that, I mean, actually at the clubs, not not so much. Especially when Forrest is now in the prem. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy can Jimmy can give you some. But 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 that I remember that Ipswich team, Sacks, and they were they were good. Mm-hmm. Remember Matty Holland and Magilton yeah. and yeah, that's right. That they were in Europe as well. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, you can't really blame the club. They're probably like, you know, it seems like a pretty good business move going, this squad is good. We just finished fifth, like in the Premier League. You're in Europe. You're in Europe. We just want to stay here and long-term contracts and bang, relegated. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Money talks, I suppose, in professional football and it's out of control, but the bubble hasn't burst just yet. They keep telling us. Uh, Wonga, before we we go today, anything from your mail sack? Yeah, we got... Yeah, I really love this one. It's probably the best review we've got. Three out of five stars. And it would uh, <laughs> from Golden Boy 112, who I'd like to say, uh, keep listening and fuck you. Um, <laughs> could be a great podcast if the not funny hosts would stick to soccer, which they actually know a lot about. So thank you for that, Golden Boy. 112. It's kind of a, a veiled criticism. I know. It's like there's some nice things in there. And when I say fuck you to Golden Boy, I mean it in the worst way. <laughs> fuck you, Golden Boy. But keep listening. But keep listening and That's tell it. everybody. Yeah, I'm going to hate today's podcast, eh? Jesus. Good old, good old Golden Boy. It's also from July, that review. So chances are he quit after the last Yeah, only two weeks ago, though. Only two weeks but ago. One thing I say, Golden Boy, is that we have never changed. From the day one of this podcast, three years ago now, we have done it the same way. And that is... Soccer is the vehicle for all sorts of conversations. And it's just an excuse for a bunch of dudes to get together and have a chat. You don't mm. like it. There's lots of podcasts out there, less funny, that will provide all the football and soccer insight you need. <laughs> he really doesn't find us funny. Yeah. The other he thing I, so so no. keep, keep buying newspapers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, other, the other thing I wanted to mention, too, is we've got uh, West Ham and Forrest on Fubo this weekend. So the, the Jimmy Brennan, Craig Forrest Derby. We've got oh, uh, so, so early in the someone... season. I know, I know. Um, and also on, I've got, and it's the feature game because it's the 1230 Saturday game, is United versus Brentford. So my Brentford Bees are playing United. Uh, so if you're l- going to get Fubo, 
get it through fubotv.com slash footy prime help us out and uh also remember if you're going to do any punting northstarbets.ca slash footy prime you don't want to miss united losing two in a row yeah, Juice, exactly. I, I well i know we're going to do our footy trick picks <laughs> tomorrow but i'm looking forward to that game i think that uh i think it's going to be a draw and i think they're going to be you know, two or three goals, uh, like a two two all game, um, two squads that are we're not sure which direction they're going, which is exciting to me. Can we can we ask Wonga like a little trivia here, like name name Brentford players? No, nope, don't do that yet. No, no? Uh, Ericsson. It's too early in the season. Wait till the transfer window closes. Be fair to him, you know. I can't start wait. studying. Start studying. I start. Uh, every Brantford B will be on my uh, uh, in my brain. Craig, <laughs> Craig, did you just murmur there? You can't wait till the transfer window closes. Oh my God! The rumors and rumors and oh, you're sick God. of it. Oh yeah, I get it's, sick of it. It annoys you more now in media than it did as a player. Yeah, yeah. I wish there was no transfer window. Well, apparently, uh, Jizz will not be signing for Forest. That's upset a lot of. That's upset a lot of fans. Oh, in the forums, you're reading this in the forums. Yeah, it was out in tweets and social media. That's too bad. Would you, if you are Juice Jizz Jizz, uh, was it Jizz? Hornkamp. 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 Would you go with Hornkamp on your show or just Jizz? I think the kit man would just say you're going with Jizz. I would yeah, go I with Jizz. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, Best he thing. would go with Felch. He would go with Felch. <laughs> the back of Jimmy wouldn't because he had no idea what that meant. I had no idea, boys. Wow. Disappointing. <laughs> Disappointing. Well, we, we've gone the full circle to today's show, haven't we? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not that Jimmy well, hasn't done it. <laughs> just didn't know what it was called. <laughs> Such an idiot. <laughs> oh, there's a name for this? <laughs> what's that on your shirt it's my name boss oh. <laughs> oh god oh god all right well let's let's end this debauchery right now um thanks fellas today is thursday so wednesday pod um but we're back on friday with more of the same um keep buying newspapers everyone cheers for listening Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.